Did you know your brain knows how to handle crisis? Humans, and in fact all creatures, from the dawn of time, had to deal with horrible, rotten, no-good problems like possible death. But currently, in our world, our world is kind of turned into a crisis. And unfortunately, there's a bit of a panic going on out there. In part, it's because we forgot. We forgot how to handle crisis. We forgot how to activate our brain's natural survival mode. Most creatures have the ability to deal with danger. For example, a lion attacks. And when the lion is gone, they can turn off that fight or flight mode and go back to normal life. Over the years, we humans have seen forgot how to turn off our feelings when we no longer need them. That's right. We're going to learn how to turn off your emotions. This conversation feels a little bit odd because I want to teach you how to turn off or at least turn down emotions in this time of crisis. And that feels odd because for the last 50 years, we, mental health professionals, have been trying to pull people out of the crisis mode, out of the survival mode, and teach people how to survive and thrive, actually. And the key to thriving has been to teach people how to learn to feel our feelings and emotions. Well, times have changed, right? And feelings and feeling our emotions is not as much a priority as being able to control and regulate our feelings. And in fact, I think that's even a better definition of mental health. In the past, again, our mental health, our our thought of mental health has been people's ability to feel and access their feelings. But I think a better definition would be someone who is able to regulate their feelings or even their thoughts or even their behaviors. And what that means is to have the ability to control or turn on or turn off our feelings, our thoughts, and even our behaviors as we need to. So if you want to learn more about emotional regulation and good mental health, and maybe even learn how to get back into this primitive base survival mode and deal with the crisis around us, let's rediscover the secrets within our own survival mode. Hi, I'm Brett, your favorite shrink. I'm a licensed psychotherapist and the executive director for the nonprofit Gathering of Good People. The gathering is all about helping you grow emotionally, relationally, and spiritually. And today, I am recording for you a new episode in a series that we've created, and the new series is called Anxious. Anxious is all about, duh, anxiety, and how to deal with our feels, how to deal with our fears, particularly now that we're in this uh, coronavirus 
the COVID-19. Now, as I start, I want to share a couple of phrases with you and um, tell me if you've heard these phrases or know similar phrases like these. Here's the first one. He's all talk and no action. How about this? Actions speak louder than words. Or what about this one? She talks like everything to death. Or how about this final one? The paralysis of analysis. Well, these colloquialisms, if I'm using the word right, if I'm not, please comment below. (laughs) Help me improve my vocabulary. These colloquialisms (laughs) speak to a pattern of thinking that actually stops people from taking action. In, in a different time, this was seen as a negative. People were up in their heads, think, 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 and they couldn't take action. But I want to suggest that in this time of crisis, like right now, this kind of thinking is very useful. To explain what I mean, I need to go inside your brain. Sounds a little weird, right? But but I need to help explain how your different minds work. You see, you, you have one brain. We all think of ourselves as just one brain. But the truth is, inside that one brain, you have five. Five different minds. And each of your different minds have different functions. And therefore, they're useful at different times and in different situations. In our current crisis with the COVID-19 virus, your emotional mind is not where we need to be. That is not a good place for us right now. Instead, I'd like to suggest that you go up into your left neocortex, your verbal mind. Now, let me break through the minds, the different brains inside of you and explain why. So as you're listening to me, I want you to see if you can call up in your memory, in your mind, a picture of a mind, a brain. We've all seen brains before, pictures, diagrams. Well, when you look at a brain, what you see is all these wrinkly things going on right all around it. And um, right down the middle of the brain, there's this bigger gap. And that gap is really interesting because that gap actually separates the two upper hemispheres. They are called the neocortex. Neo meaning new in Latin, and cortex is this outer layer. So this is the newest layer of your brain. And there's two sides to it. And they don't touch. They don't touch until way down close to the core of the brain. And because they're separated and independent, they actually function very differently from each other. The left neocortex, I'm going to call him Leo. Leo, meaning left neocortex, is all about logic and words. The left side of your brain is the logical side of you. And if you're right-handed, that means you're 
left brain dominant because there's a crossover that happens. And I would say most people in the Western world are left brain dominant. We love to analyze things. We love to think about things. We love to talk about things. And all of that happens within the left neocortex. And, and let me emphasize that talking part because that's going to be really key later on. On your left side, if you could take your two fingers, your, your uh, pointing finger and your ring finger, and spread them apart and put one in front of your ear and the other one behind your ear, right at the very top of your ear, on those two places within your brain, there's what's called the Warnke and Broca areas. And those are your verbal centers. And what's really interesting about that is that these two verbal centers only exist on the left neocortex, which means no other part of your brain understands language or uses language except your left neocortex. So whenever you're talking to yourself, you're in your left. You're, you're in Leo. Leo is talking, okay? Now, on the other side, on the right side, is your creative brain. And, and I think we've probably seen that really popular drawing that, that has the two sides of the brain and one side you know, has all these math problems and equations. It's all very linear and dry. <laughs> and then the other side of this picture, we see this really colorful, kind of a mess actually of colors that are just spreading out of the brain and showing and indicating that this is our creative brain. And that's not a bad picture, actually. That actually is a, is a good kind of depiction of what's going on. Now, this other side is the twin to, to Leo, and I call him Rio, right? Rio is the right neocortex. Leo's left, Rio is right. And Rio is creative. I always think of Rio as kind of this artiste with a, a beret on the side of his head, and he's wearing a, some kind of schmock with paint all over it, where um, Leo is wearing more of a lab coat with pens in it, and, you know, he's kind of the more the geeky scientist guy. Now, what's interesting about Rio is that the way Rio communicates, because he doesn't have a verbal center's brain, it's not the way he processes information, Rio is all about pictures, right? That makes sense. He's the creative brain. So he's going to daydream. So he's going to imagine. So he's going to picture things. And that's how he processes through images. I was going to say visual images, but they're not really visual. They're made up in his mind. Now, if we peel the brain open, sounds kind of gross, but we open up the brain and we look into the center of the brain, there is this egg-shaped thing. It's about the size of an egg. It's oval like an egg. And it has two lobes, one on each side, left and right. Well, this is your limbic center. The limbic system itself is all about emotions. This is what I would call your emotional mind. Rio or Leo is logical mind, thinking mind. Rio is your creative mind. 
This mind, I call her Emma, is your emotional mind. This is where all your emotions are generated. And the language that Emma uses, which isn't words and isn't even pictures, the language that Emma uses to communicate is energy. All your emotions are energy. When you're feeling mad, you're feeling energy. When you're feeling anxious, oh, you're feeling energy. Emma emanates energy. And it's these emotions that drive us. Emotions are our drivers. So that's her language, is energy. Now, if we look below Emma, below the limbic system, we'll see this kind of cluster of cells that um, extends all the way down into the spine. But this large cluster just before the spine is called the brain stem. And this I call B, the body mind. I call him B because he's really simple and he can't really handle much more than one letter for a name. But, but the body mind is exactly that. Your body mind is in charge of your body. So you, you're thinking about a ton of things to run your body right now, but you don't really think about them. They happen automatically. Digestion, blood pressure, beating your heart, even breathing. All of these functions have to come from your brain. And if your brain stops and says, you know, stops saying to your heart, beat, your heart would stop beating. So B is the brainstem that runs all of the actions and all of the reactions that are happening within your body. And that is B's language. In fact, we... We often can read body language and what we're reading in body language, how people are sitting, how they're talking, you know, their, their posture, all that kind of stuff. What that's telling us is what um, B is registering from the emotional mind, Emma, because B is just going to manifest whatever Emma is emitting. The energy, the emotions she's emitting, B reflects in his body, in, his, in body language. So B's all about action. Now, why this all is important, let me start breaking it down and start going into uh, kind of what we're going to focus on in terms of creating this survival mode. In a crisis, what we need to do is that we need to move actually back up into Leo, into the logical part of our brain. Um, Leo can process information very dispassionately and very analytical. He is part of what we call the thinking brain. Um, it's almost like you can take these four brains we've already talked about and, and divide them into two groups. I, I put one hand over my fist and it kind of symbolizes these two different parts of my brain. The hand on top of my fist that, that covers up my fist is the, the thinking brain, the, the logic and the creative. It's the Leo and Rio twins working to process information. But underneath my hand in the fist is the reactive brain. That's Emma and B, the brainstem. Now, these two different parts, these two kind of generalizations work very, very differently. The thinking brain 
is really good at thinking, but it's not so good at actions. And the reactive brain is great at acting, but it's not so good at thinking. And, and that is the key difference that we need to use to be able to go into survivor mode and be able to deal with crisis. Thinking brains think, but they don't act. And reactive brains, oh, they're always in action. They're always in reaction, but they don't think. So imagine this for a minute. If you were, imagine if you were at a large corporation and your job at this large corporation was to be in charge of emergency preparedness. And you had to come up with a plan that be able to you know, deal with any kind of crisis that would happen here at the corporation. Well, you'd be able to do that and create this wonderful plan pretty unemotionally because you'd be operating from the most part from your intellect, kind of thinking things through, you know, just walking the steps, setting a plan, A to B. And, and that high-level thinking is pretty devoid of emotions. And, and I think that's oftentimes why we kind of cherish analytical thinking. We think we value it because it kind of has this absence of emotions. Now, what isolates this high-level thinking, what isolates Leo is his words. See, again, no other part of the brain has a verbal center. And therefore, um, the rest of the brain is really limited in understanding. So if I can stay in my brain and just talk things through, logically work things out, that isolates me, that pretty much insulates me from emotions because I'm in a non-emotional state or a non-emotional mind. Now, in a crisis, one of the biggest problems is that we're flooded by emotions, that we're overwhelmed with our emotions. We're in this life or death situation, and it feels like if I don't feel my feelings in this moment, something really bad's going to happen. But actually, in a calmer moment, a clearer moment, we know that's not true. It's the opposite. That in a crisis moment, I need to get out of my emotions. Because it's out of my emotions that I'm going to make better decisions. Now again, how to do that? Well, the key We've kind of hinted around it all along. The key is words. The key is to get you talking, to get you thinking in words. We've known in therapy forever and ever and ever, talking about your feelings makes people feel better. Now, in the past, we've kind of misunderstood it in the sense that we, we thought that it made you feel better because you expressed or released these emotions. But actually, that's not quite how the brain works. Um, my emotional brain can produce emotions all day long. And it's, it's not like there's a limit to my emotions. Oh, man, my emotions can go on forever. What really is happening when I am talking in therapy is that I am 
putting words to my feelings. And when I put words to my feelings, what happens is it shifts the the thought process out of the limbic system and moves it up into the left neocortex. Right away, that feels better. It feels like I've stepped out of my feelings because I've been able to talk about my feelings, put words to them. I'm angry. I'm sad. I'm scared. By putting words to it, it actually moves me into a different part of the brain. Now, here's the part that makes the biggest difference. When I've moved my feelings, you know, I'm remembering some past trauma or, or some horrible event, and I'm able to move those feelings up into words, it dissipates the energy, the emotional energy. And then when the feelings go back and the memory goes back into the box, the memory box, it is permanently altered. So the next time I remember that experience, the next time I start talking about that situation, I notice that I feel remarkably better because I vocalized it and was able to get it into a logical place or get it into a less emotional place. And now each time I remember it, I remember it a little less emotional. And that's what it is that helps us feel better by talking about our emotions. It shifts us into a different brain. This is the process that we need to do now. We need to verbalize our emotions and our anxieties because it will force us to shift the energy out of the limbic system into, out of Emma, into Leo, into the left neocortex. So let's get some real concrete kind of things I want you to do. A lot of these ideas I'm going to share with you are ideas that, that have already been presented um, because they work. And, and now we kind of have a background in brain neurophysiology to know why they work. So the first thing I want to talk about is journaling. I'm, I'm lousy at journaling. I hate journaling. But it works. And it works for a couple reasons. One, it works because I have to take this feeling that's more of a, a gut reaction. Ugh. Mm. Uh, 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 I have to take this visceral kind of experience and find words for it. If I'm going to write in my journal, I got to express it somehow in a logical way. So that's going to start shifting right away. But the other nice thing about journaling is that a journal, a page, any page has a beginning and has a middle and as an end. And in my thoughts, there is no beginning. There is no middle. There is no end. In my, especially my high emotional thoughts, it's just raw emotion. Crap, crap, crap. Fear, fear, fear. You know, anxiety, anxiety, anxiety. And it just loops. I, I, can, I can literally think the same thought for an hour, two hours, and never even question it. Oh, crap, crap. Oh, crap. Oh, this is going to be bad. This is going to be bad. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And I can just think that thought over and over and over and over and over and over for hours or days. But when I journal and I write that same phrase two times, three times, I'm like, the third time I'm like bored. Like, really? 
Oh, crap, again? Okay, let's think this through. What else can I say about this feeling situation? So it, again, forces me not to loop. And it forces me to process my feelings from beginning to end. The other thing I uh, suggested, I did an anxiety support group um, last Sunday. And in that, I suggested a fear journal. And the fear journal is particularly interesting because in the fear journal, um, what I did was I really asked people to limit their amount of fear, time when they just let their fear run. And I asked them to limit it to the journal. So when they're, you know, afraid and anxious, great, go ahead, be afraid and anxious, write about it. But when you're not able to write about it, or when you've already written about it, um, at that point, you got to let the thoughts go. Only process your thoughts when you got your fear journal in front of you, the worry journal in front of you. And that way it contains it on the pages. Here's another suggestion that uh, I gave out the other day and I want to give to you as well. Um, on the on the website, thegatheringofgoodpeople.com, we have a tab called Community. And in that community, there's we have forums. And I've created a forum particularly for um, COVID-19 and just helping us kind of support each other. There's a great place. A lot of people don't understand anxiety. A lot of people don't understand our fears. And we think, they think that we're a little bit over the top. So by becoming part of our journal, or, or sorry, a part of our forum and writing some of your feelings, thoughts, and fears there in the forum, you can get support. Support from other people that are feeling exactly as you are. No shame, no blame, no criticism. Just get support for where you are. So I would really, really, really encourage you, jump on the forum and start writing out some of your feelings. Other suggestion would be make sure you're talking to people. I know we have social isolation going on, social distancing happening here. But you can still pick up a phone. You can still FaceTime. You can still communicate to people, emails or Facebook or whatever it is for you. Let yourself continue to talk to people. You've got to interact with somebody every day. You can't just be alone by yourself or just with the same two people all day long. So reach out, talk to people, make that an effort. The other thing I would strongly suggest, and this is going to sound a little bit on the crazy side, Talk to yourself. Just this morning, I was feeling anxious and I was out walking my dog, which is a great mental health tool, just for you to know. Um, I was out walking my dog and I just started talking to myself. Okay, I'm feeling a little bit nervous with everything that's going on. Um, uh, you know, I'm not sure about what's going to happen with work and I'm not sure what's going to happen here. And I just started talking. I started talking out loud and I could feel it. I could feel like, yeah, this does feel better. To say the words out loud feels better. Now, last and final recommendation, affirmations. I'm not usually a big fan of affirmations. I like a technique that I call considerations much better. But in this scenario, affirmations are actually quite useful. Affirmations, you know what affirmations are. You say something positive. Um, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. 
by, by saying something like that over and over and over again, what you're doing is you're actually jamming up your brain. See, your brain can only focus on one thing at a time. Even though there's five different minds in there, it can really only focus on one thing at a time. There is no multitasking. It doesn't happen. So by, by forcing myself to think of a thought, a positive thought, like it's going to be okay. I'm going to be all right. It's going to be okay. We're going to be all right. By saying that over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, it begins to jam the frequencies within my brain. So I really can't think about much of anything else. Now, long-term, it's really not going to shift feelings, and that's why I like considerations better than affirmations. But in this particular moment, in this particular crisis, I think affirmations are awesome because it just helps me jam up my, my emotional mind by, by flooding my thinking mind with positive words. All right, here's what I want to ask of you guys. Try this stuff. And let me know how it works. Or better yet, go in the comments, share some things that you do that helps you get into this survival mode so we can get through this crisis. What do you do to tap down your emotions when they're flooding and out of control? I want to hear your comments. I want to hear your ideas. And please come join us on the Gathering of Good People. Uh, We also have a Facebook page and a Facebook group as well. The Gathering of Good People. Thank you so much for listening. Again, I'm Brett, your favorite shrink. And let's talk. Let's talk some more. All right. Take care.